Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by the Being Freelance community. We have moved away from Facebook to a brand new home all of our own. You realise you're not alone being freelance. You can celebrate, commiserate, just laugh, support, learn. It's all good and it's all happening. Go to beingfreelance.com and click on community. I'll see you in there. Right now, though, shall we find out what it's like being freelance for marketing consultant Io Abbas? I guess I'm a marketeer, right? And I enjoy making content. I do. I'm one of those strange people. I really enjoy marketing myself. Do you know what I find most challenging? It's like, if I don't invoice, I don't get paid. You can do all the marketing, you can do all of that stuff, but you also do need to do the work and it's finding that balance. Awards are a good way of taking stock, a good way of realising how far you've come. And I think if you take them as that, I think they're really useful. You know, sit there and go, actually, do you know what? I have worked with five of the top engineering firms since 2020 in the UK. And these are massive firms, right? And, you know, when you suddenly start looking at that granularity and you go, actually, that is a big deal. I'm kind of in a number of kind of communities, which I'm either involved in or a member of or on the committee of. And I think... Those help me as an individual and a business owner and a freelancer, but also they help me in terms of spreading the word of what I do, because you never know where a lead can come from. Yeah, so there is Io, who I had such a joy talking to. <laughs> She's brilliant. Um, I became really aware of Io over the past few years, seeing her share her Built Environment podcast. Uh, she, well, basically, she works in the built environment in um, buildings what do you call it construction architecture that kind of thing she's the expert I don't work in it can you tell anyway I saw her sharing her podcast a lot online we're connected she's in the being freelance community and I really like what she's doing so her business is fairly new in the grand scheme of things right but my gosh she's she's gonna ban it in quite a way so I can't wait for you to hear her story she's also a lot of fun so Io's story coming up very soon indeed by the way if you are new to freelancing don't forget there is a course that I created from both my own experience but that of all of my guests as well if you're in your first year of freelancing or thinking of going freelancing it is perfect for you please do check it out and see what you think go to beingfreelance.com click on course these days there's uh, like a three-month payment plan so you can spread the cost to make things easier and you also get six months of the being freelance community included as well please do take a look beingfreelance.com all right let's crack on chat to this week's guest uh, we're off to london to chat to freelance marketing consultant Io Abbas. Hey, Io. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I am so well. Thank you for doing this. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Okay, so I've always worked in the kind of construction sector. So marketing, architects, engineers, those types of people, construction firms. And I tended to work in-house. And in 2019, I decided to try something different. And I actually went and started working in an edtech company. So I was a head of marketing in an edtech company, which was a startup as well. It was really good fun. We did lots of crazy stuff. Obviously, we ran out of money. I got made redundant. And then I was looking for a job back in construction. And then I just didn't find anything that I really wanted to do. So I kind of sat there and thought, do I look for this job or do I start my own thing? And I decided to start my own thing in February 2020. Whoa. <laughs> That's a month. That's a month of meaning. Okay, so did you do any sort of like freelance 
on the side. Well, I was made redundant, so I'd stopped working in like November. So then it was like, you know, Christmas, so nobody's really going to employ anyone. January, slow to pick up, isn't it? And then I wasn't seeing any jobs I wanted. So I didn't do any freelancing for other people, no. But it had always been in the back of my mind as something I might want to do at some point. So how did you go about it? How did you get those first freelance clients? Well, I started in February 2020. Uh, And my first client, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, actually came through Facebook, a Facebook group. And it was a, a coding company and they were asking for some advice about something, I don't know, some marketing thing. They were asking for advice and all the advice that were being given was, wasn't actually that good. Um, so like everyone was like, oh, you need to do this because they were selling an email service or you need to do that because they were selling a particular service rather than looking at it and going, actually, let's look at this properly and understand what you really need. So that was kind of what my response was. I did that, had an offline conversation and that's how I got my first job was actually that. So that was like doing their messaging and copy for a new, for the website, for the new um, product that they were launching, service they were launching for kids. And that was around STEM and education, which actually fitted well with that job I just finished. So yeah, I knew a lot about that. So that was my first job. And then how did it evolve from there? Um, well, obviously something happened in March 2020 that nobody could have predicted. Mm. I was actually quite lucky. So when I started my freelance business, I didn't just start full time. So I did that, but I also secured a part-time role as well locally, working for an architectural firm in-house, maternity cover for six months. So I actually started that as well. So I did both. The idea was start off freelance part-time, do half working at, you know, three days a week at this practice, just doing the in-house marketing. So nothing special, but just doing little stuff, which is fine. And yeah, obviously what happened was in 2020 with lockdown, I was furloughed which actually worked out quite well because then that just gave me time to work on my business, but also to do homeschool for my son. So yeah, it actually worked out really, really well. And obviously as there was nothing you could really do and everyone was letting go of their freelancers and all that kind of stuff, I decided that, you know, how am I going to get my business out there? Because I hadn't really been networking that much because I was working in-house and a mum. So what I did was I went online. So I joined lots of communities and networks. I got online, did lots of learning, lots of the courses that everyone was doing. And I kind of embraced all of that. And then I kind of found LinkedIn and really wrapped that up and used that as my networking and to build my network that way. So I was like, right, I'm going to go online. I I have control of that. And I, you know, was talking in the introduction and you've mentioned it about being a built environment niche, like working with architects and things like that. Yeah. So how, at what point did you think oh actually that's my niche that's what I'm gonna be known for um I think it was quite easy for me because I mean really I've been working in that sector for 20 years yeah apart from that one year out where I went to the edtech but I mean even that edtech role still was involved in the built environment because it was about stem it was about getting you know kids into science engineer and then engineering so it was still a kind of what I do but in a slightly different lens so because I've always done that that's kind of the world I know best and I think when I'm talking to clients, the thing they like is I understand their world. I can talk their language. So actually, it made sense for me to specialise in that area because, you know, I love it. I understand it. I can talk the language. I know how it works as a market. So I can definitely hone down on that. And to be honest, I mean, there's like thousands of architects, thousands of engineers. And, you know, so there's loads of there's lots of work out there. So you're furloughed. You're realising you can network on LinkedIn. 
how did you find your next sort of freelance clients? It's it's quite nice, isn't it? That you've got that little bit of money coming in from yeah. I think I'm... but you're not even having to doing not 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 that homeschooling <laughs> was easy. So, but but oh my goodness, my gosh, homeschooling was quite hard, wasn't it? I mean, it was just because yeah. like I don't really have any patience, as I as I realised, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I realised I'm like this is obvious, and you realise that to your young child, it's not obvious. Um, so. <laughs> But for me, it was the other way around. They were like, how can you not understand this maths? And I'm like, I'm just playing dumb. It's a tactic. It's, uh... <laughs> Homeschooling was not easy, Steve. Um, no. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think anything happened that much for like six months. Because everything mm-hmm. had just gone a bit haywire, really, hadn't it? Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. And, and, I, and then I think after that, I can't remember my next clients. I think my next clients may have come through my existing networks. So people who I knew who asked me to do small jobs for them. I think that's where that came from. But they were seeing stuff I was putting out on LinkedIn. So what were you doing on LinkedIn? Oh, I did loads. I was, I mean, I did lots of posts about marketing and what I'd learned. I also, oh, I forgot one thing I did set up. I did set up a podcast. Yeah, just a small thing. (laughs) I love podcasts and I have done since I had my son. You know, I listen to them avidly and I constantly been thinking I really want to do something around marketing and what's it going to be how's it going to be and because I wanted to learn something over the lockdown I was like actually I'm going to learn about podcasting so I read loads of stuff read some of your blogs actually read you know books watched webinars did all of that learned all about podcasting then I bought myself a mic and headphones and wrote myself a plan of how I was going to do it And and that's what I did so I launched that in July 2020 and that was a great way actually of connecting me with new new firms and some of my podcast guests who I didn't know have become clients. I think my first guest was uh, Stride Trick Darren, and then I ended up doing some work for them. Um, mm. So <laughs> I'd never and met what, And what was your podcast? Because I know the title has changed a few times, which is interesting in itself. But yeah. what, what was your podcast that you first launched? It was about marketing in times of recovery. So right. obviously, as we were all going through lockdown one and not realising how many times we were going to go into lockdown, <laughs> um, because a lot of the built environment, their firms, architects and engineers, it's a very kind of relationship-based type of industry. So people go out and they network and meet face-to-face. It's quite traditional. And obviously with lockdown, everything went online. So a lot of firms probably weren't even set up to do business development, to network, to build relationships online. So what I wanted to do was actually have discussions about how to do that and how to do business online and how how to I guess do better digital marketing in a way so that was the premises for the show was actually finding practices who were doing really smart stuff showcasing that and interviewing them about their marketing. So how did you get on with podcasting for your business I guess there's two sides to that question there's like the like was it easy was it hard but also like did did it have an impact I think there's something about marketing, right? I always say there's like a million ways you can skin a cat. Like there's a million different ways that you can do your marketing, right? There's no right and wrong way. It's finding the things that you enjoy and that suit Mm. your personality, right? And I like talking and I like picking people's brains. And it was a way of, A, I guess, associating me with these brands and these firms. So I'm talking to some of the top architectural practices in the country, some of the most innovative ones. So it's like, guilty by association right but also (laughs) it's a way of connecting me and associating me me with those brands and people and also starting to build relationships with them which is really important for me but also I think podcasting is such a kind of open space and you know especially for business to business marketing there's not that many of them 
So it was a space I could own and make my own. So that's why I wanted to do it. And then in terms of getting the skills and understanding, I think as you go along and once you start, then you learn, learn as you go. So I think it's really that, that that's kind of why I did it. And in terms of my actual business, it was a good way of showcasing my own expertise as well, because I guess to be able to ask podcast questions properly, Steve, um, you've got to, <laughs> no, but you've got to have a, on, you've got to have an understanding of how it works, haven't you? And, and how the mechanics of marketing work to be able to ask them questions and have an intelligent conversation. And you've kept it going. Yes, because I do it in seasons, because I do fall out of love with it sometimes. It's hard work podcasting. Yeah. It really is. And I think people don't realise how much effort it takes. Or that's why most podcasts fail, isn't it, under under five episodes. Because actually, it's a lot more work than you think. And even just promoting it takes a lot of work. So I've got all the kind of processes and stuff in place. But yeah, to keep it going, it, it, it does take quite a lot of effort. So that's why I do it in seasons. And you have changed the name as it's gone on. Yeah, only three times, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> like that because it kind of like what what made you change the name well after all like subsequent all the various lockdowns it got to the stage where it was like crisis just sounded really negative and it was kind of I guess lockdown and crisis and uncertainty I guess uncertainty is something we're all having to get used to so then I thought actually I don't want to talk about crisis anymore it's too depressing I'd rather talk about recovery so I did that and then the economy started tanking again last year and I thought do I are we even in recovery or back in recession? <laughs> I didn't want to go to crisis. And then I thought, actually, I'm better off to tying it in with the rest of my brand and my overall kind of built environment marketing strapline and what I do. So the built environment marketing show, that is where that was born, really. So you'd credit doing that podcast with making a real difference to your business, would you? Yeah. And helping me to raise my profile, connecting me with the right people. But also, I mean, it's in terms of like what I want to do going forward. I don't just want to be a marketing consultant. I also want to be a marketing consultant who does speaking and things like that. And it's it's got me like, you know, I've got work speaking. I've got work doing other people's podcasts, hosting. So it's given me another revenue stream. Mm, yeah. We can hear my voice, Steve. <laughs> it's so important, though, isn't it? Like your voice is really distinctive. And I have to admit, I go to events now. And sometimes I'll be talking or say, put my hand up and say something, not say who I am. And someone will come up to me and go, I know your voice, which is also quite creepy. But <laughs> <laughs> that did happen. But it is that thing of, yeah, so people do know who I am. But they know who you are. They know what you're like and they know what you do, Yeah, which is really cool. So you got your podcast. How else? I mean, it's interesting. You know, you just said there's all these ways you can market yourself. How else mm. do you market yourself? Um, so how else do I market myself? So I said LinkedIn, which we've already talked about, which I love. But LinkedIn, I kind of use in terms of doing posts, but also connecting with relevant people, sharing what I'm doing, sharing my case studies, links into my website. So I use that kind of for a variety of things. And I also, I guess I try and take LinkedIn, if I make connections with the right people, try and have kind of virtual coffees with people and stuff like that and take stuff offline. Because I think that's where you get the real kind of hook in terms of potential business opportunities. And another way um, is networking communities. So that virtual coffee thing, I think is important. But also, I'm kind of in a number of kind of communities. So like doing it for the kids, for example, Found and Flourish, which is a female founders one, and also some built environment marketing, uh, a built environment marketing community called Build Up. Um, so there's a number of those types of communities which I'm either involved in or a member of or on the committee of. And I think those help me 
as an individual and a business owner and a freelancer, but also they help me in terms of spreading the word of what I do because you never know where a lead can come from. Mm. So you you're on a committee? Yeah, I'm a committee. I am on the committee of Build Up. So it's a it's literally. I mean, I think Build Up's been going for about ten years. So I've been doing on the committee for about I think eighteen months. And what we do is it's about 600 people who specialise in marketing, architectural and engineering firms across the UK and also in uh, internationally as well. So we do online and in-person events and we run them. And it's literally, we'll talk about various, we get panels of speakers. And yeah, so we do that. And it's also like a supportive community as well. Because often I find if you work in-house in these types of organisations, you're not the core of that business. So what it is, is that you don't have a network of other marketeers. You're the only one. So it's mm. that kind of supportive community. Nice. Okay, so we've got LinkedIn, community, not just being a member, but being involved in, well... Organising. Running it, in a way. Yeah, yeah. organising, that's a better word. Um, there's the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, my website. I think website's important, uh, just in terms of... So I guess people always do look you up. So it's just making sure that your website is up to date, matches your LinkedIn and says who you are and what you do and... It's a good a, a good showcase for you. I always think it's your kind of it's your virtual shop window, really, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have a newsletter? Oh God, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> two. <laughs> okay, I've, I've got a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm yes, just... It's good. <laughs> what are the two, and how do you keep two going? Right. So I guess it's like <laughs> sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? So I set up uh, my own ma- uh, mailing list via mailing MailerLite. So I do that, and it's a monthly newsletter, Built Environment Marketing News Roundup. That's it, Roundup. Mm-hmm. And so I literally I will write one kind of lead article on that, whatever is in my head at the moment, and then I will share some articles that I think are really useful and pertinent about marketing. And then if I've got any lives or podcasts and stuff, I'll put that in there as well. So yeah, that's my own mailing list. I want to grow my own list. That's one of my kind of objectives from last year. How often do you do that? Only once a month, so at the end of the month. Right. Yeah, it's just like a roundup. So it literally is that. So I try not to make too much more work. And then what I do is I take that content, I turn it into really small, snackable, just like really short. And then I turn that into a LinkedIn newsletter because you know they've got the newsletter feature on LinkedIn. So I call that uh, Built Environment Snippets. And that newsletter is basically... A real, real, real short snippet of my of my existing newsletter. So it's more just trans transposing it and transferring it across. And I did that because actually LinkedIn newsletters have got good reach. I mean, between them, if like my own newsletter probably has say so far 150 signups, the LinkedIn one has a thousand. That's really great. And then you said you might mention lives, so that means you're doing lives. Where are you doing lives on LinkedIn? So I've done lives on LinkedIn. So like I went live for a week in October uh, every day interviewing people for my podcast, which I turned into my podcast episodes. So and I do that and I do various things when I go on on, on LinkedIn and just I, I interview somebody or someone else interviews me. But yeah, I enjoy that. So again, it's like doing a podcast interview, right? And then I can take that content and use it elsewhere and repurpose it. So it could be into a podcast, into a blog. So good. There's so much going on there, though. Before I ask my next question, yeah, which is probably going to be, how do you find the time? Um, <laughs> is is there anything else? How um, you put yourself out in the world that we hadn't just mentioned? I don't think so. That's what came to mind. There probably is, but I it doesn't okay. spring to mind. So I think that's mainly it. In that case, how do you find the time? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm a marketeer, right? And I enjoy making content. I do. Right. And yes. it's, it's what I do for clients. And it's, it, I genuinely enjoy it. I'm one of those strange people. I really enjoy marketing myself. So, so, so. Which is brilliant. But how do you make, for, maybe it should be not find the time, but make the time when there's also client work to do. Do you know what? That is, that is the balance that is quite hard. And I have to admit, mm. and it's, because I, I'm having this thing in my head of how are you networking or not working? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's really mm. interesting. Like, how do you get that balance of, I want to have the visibility to win work, but also I need to be able to deliver that. And actually that's something I need to get better at and actually look at, are there ways I can get more support? I do have a VA who helps me and she's great. So she helps, you know, with the assets for the podcast and things like that and can help me get the first draft together of the newsletter. So then I can just go in and top, top and tail it. So I'm starting to kind of use that because otherwise I realise that I work quite a lot. And you know, that like when you looked at the kind of what other things you do and I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm a mum. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got to get better at that. And, yeah, I do do a lot of stuff. But I think once... For me, once I've set up, I know what it is and I set up the process, then it's normally quite easy to roll out. Do you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Well, if you're an organised person and you're doing something you enjoy. So you have a VA. How about the podcast? Do you do that or? No, no. Um, so I invite the guests and do all of that kind of stuff, do the questions. The only thing I don't do is editing. So I do the record and then I send the uh, audio to a uh, podcast editor who puts it together for me and did you do that right from the beginning yes because when I was setting up my podcast I went to a number of people whose podcasts I liked and I said what would your one tip be to me and someone recommended him Ah, nice. that was how I found him it was brilliant but that's still quite a it's quite a thing isn't it you know like I guess spending money on something which is your marketing it's not it's not necessarily making you money even though you kind of know it is ultimately. But yeah. still, right from the beginning, it's quite a thing to do. Did it scare you doing that? Well, no, because I, I'm a marketeer and I know you need to invest in marketing. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. So I kind of sat there and thought, you know, I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to waste money on things like advertising and stuff like that. I know they don't work. So it's kind of like, <laughs> well, it's true. Ads don't necessarily work, do they? Quite yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, where do I want to invest my money and time? And, podcast was one of those because I loved it and I said right I'll do that and it's not a ridiculous amount of money I think they're relatively cheap compared to other types of things you could be doing and creates loads of of content that you've you use elsewhere as well doesn't exactly it? so it's all kind of it all kind of does fit together in a slightly mad way but yeah mm. I do produce a lot of content and I do write a lot as well because I enjoy writing and I enjoy talking so it kind of yeah. all of the things I do all kind of fit under there because I know you had 20 years experience uh, as a marketer and a lot of that in the built environment. Yeah. But still, it seems that in the past few years, you've really cemented yourself as like this marketing expert in that field. Like it's paid off. Completely, it has. It has. And it's it's really lovely, actually. And when I look back at like, you know, some of the clients I work with now. Yeah, it's like, you know. I don't always reflect back and realise how far I've come. But I mean, it was like, I mean, I won the Digital Woman of the Year overall award last last year in 2022. And um, I wasn't expecting it. I would like, honestly, if you see the video, I was sitting in the back <laughs> of the room, getting drunk, going. And I'd already sent a text to my friends going, I didn't win that award. 
So I literally had, so I was up for the Entrepreneur Award and the Overall Award, and I didn't win the Entrepreneur Award. And I sent a text going, right, oh, we're just going to get drunk in the background. No way in the world we've won the overall, blah, blah, blah. So honestly, when they called my name out, you can see my face drop. Um, (laughs) But but the reason was, was because the people I was up against, the other 50, I looked at the, you know, I looked at the thing and, you know, I'd spent my week looking at 3D printed concrete and concrete influencers for a client, for a marketing plan I was writing. I was like, there was no way in the world (laughs) I'm going to win when this is the stuff that I do. But actually, I did. And, and, you know, that was huge recognition. And I think sometimes I don't realise how much I've achieved until kind of I get kind of those kind of realisations. Do you think entering awards is important? Had you entered a lot or? Um, I actually did that entry about 20 minutes before it closed. So (laughs) (laughs) I've done that before. (laughs) Oh, I won't do it. Oh, no, sod it. I will. Yes. And then it was like I'd done it. I'd done a couple of other entries for other things like before, so I kind of just amended it. But so I think awards awards are a good way of taking stock, right? A good way of realizing how far you've come. And I think if you take them as that, I think they're really useful because you know to sit there and go, actually, do you know what? I have worked with five of the top engineering firms since 2020 in the UK, and these are massive firms, right? They're like firms of, you know, 70,000 people, 100,000 people around the world. They're not small. And, you know, when you suddenly start looking at that granularity and you go, actually, that is a big deal. Nice. And would you say it is then useful in, I don't know, are you now like calling yourself an award-winning marketer everywhere or whatever? I am. Like, ha- Has it, brilliant, glad to hear it. Is it a, um, <laughs> has it helped in that respect? Do you know why? It has. And, and it's quite funny. I was at a networking. I, actually, I went to two networking things last night. That's me trying to network, right? But um, actually, there was one where I was talking to somebody and he sort of went, blah, blah, blah. Let's connect on LinkedIn. And we, I showed him my phone. So we connected on LinkedIn. He looked at my profile and he said, he was like, he had been saying, oh, come along to one of our networking things. Then he looked at my headline and he went, actually, you should be presenting at our next thing. Ha! <laughs> I kid you not. And that happened last night. So it's kind of stuff like that. You go, ah, <laughs> right. that headline thing does work. Finding those snippets that really capture people's attention and go, ah, you're someone worth talking to. Yeah. And being proud to shout about it. Yeah. Because I don't know. You feel a bit weird if you go, guess what? I'm Digital Woman of the Year. I find that a bit weird and a bit kind of mm. saying it out loud. But I'm getting better. In a moment, don't forget to check out the Being Freelance community. Go to beingfreelance.com, click on community and start hanging out with your BFFs, your Being Freelance friends. Um, Time and time again, one of the hardest things about being freelance that comes up in this podcast is the fact that it can be really isolating working by yourself. You just heard last week with Victoria the difference that it makes having other freelancers around you to sort of sense check ideas. You know, like, am I going crazy? This client's doing this. Is that normal? (laughs) Or what do you think about this? Or to celebrate. You know, like when you've just finished something and it's great and then you turn around and there's no one to high five apart from your dog. It's even better when you can feel part of something be part of something and that something can be the being freelance community we've moved away from facebook to our own home so it's less full of distractions and adverts and all of that gump that comes with being on facebook it's so much nicer i wish you'd come join us because i really think you'd like it click on the link at beingfreelance.com 
It's so simple. I'll see you in there very soon indeed. Okay, speaking of people from the community, Io's in there. Let's get back to her story. What about the way you work? I don't know. Do you have multiple projects on the go at once? Do you spend six months in house with a company? Like how 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 does it work for you? <laughs> it's kind of it's it's funny. It's evolved. I think every year I've been working, it's changed. And because I work with large firms, and you've got like IR thirty five, it can make it a bit of a pain to work. You know, like some of them have blanket kind of we don't work with limited companies. You need to become you know work via umbrella and all this kind of stuff, which is all confusing and you have to make time to understand what their what their policies are underneath their procurement stuff so that can make it quite hard um so it depends some people I work on a project basis some people it might be I do a day a month or a day a week for them or something like that other people it might just be you know we just need to develop a marketing plan and I'll work with them on that and work you know, run a couple of brainstorming sessions and figure it out with them. So it depends on who the client is and how it works. So yeah, I probably have a number of clients on the go at the same time and then it goes and fits and starts really. And I just kind of do it that way. Yes. Um, I won't dwell on IR35, but if you're listening around the world wondering what that is, it's one of those headachey tax things which we have here in the uk for freelancers sometimes um but that said if you're in the uk and it affects you i do recommend checking out ipse ipse dot co dot uk um because they've got a really useful hub all about you know full of information about that actually one thing i meant to ask you so you're creating all this content Do you like fix, I know, a, a day a week in which to do it or you do it all in a week? Because, you know, you mentioned doing a, a week of lives. Like, how do you f- fit it in? Is it just sporadic or planned? It's a mix. So <laughs> I, planned would be uh, like Sunday evening. I will sit there and probably write or have some ideas and sketch out what I'm going to do on LinkedIn. Podcast, that fits in as and when I need to interview somebody in terms of that and then um yeah I think it's quite sporadic to be honest I fit stuff around Mm. but then I would probably like you know most likely on a Friday I might do more stuff on my own stuff on a Friday to be honest yeah when you say you planning out what you're going to do on LinkedIn what does that mean I have a word document and then I just chuck ideas on the page what you write them there and then or you come back to that word document in the week well I have ideas so Uh uh-huh it might be a headline, um, but actually during the week, I would, if I'm like, you know, I have a discussion, or I'm having a meeting and someone says something, I think, oh, that would be a good idea. I will put that in an Evernote doc and save that for later. So I kind of capture those things as I'm going along or else I would never remember. So then I will come back to those. Also look at what's coming up in my diary. So am I talking somewhere? Am I doing something? And then build out my LinkedIn content from those. So how often do you post? Probably f- four or five times a week so that's not responding to other people's stuff that's That's like creating your own post yeah but then i also have an archive now that runs back for three years so i have a whole asana that is every single post i've posted and i can just and it's all categorized (laughs) so i mean i like systems and processes it's all categorized so i can go do i want something that talks about my business so that'll be an ask post do i want a carousel do i just want a text only post and also I can search for certain keywords. If I want to talk about targeting positioning, what did I write about that? I can just search that and then I can do amend that. So there's quick ways as well. Ah, oh, cool. So you might repurpose slash reuse something you've posted in the past. Yeah, update it. Use it as a starter nice. for 10. But that makes stuff quicker as well because you don't yeah. always have to create new because I have, because I 
create so much content, it's like, I might as well reuse it because the likelihood you're going to see everything I do is highly unlikely. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting, though, in all honesty, hearing it coming from, from well, from a marketer. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you've approached it from a marketing senses of course you would because you're a marketer but even so it's nice yeah it's great to hear but that's the stuff i set up for clients so that's the thing you kind of fit there and go so there's systems and processes to run a marketing machine i guess in a way that's kind of it isn't it and i think that's kind of what we need as well is how do you get those things in place to make it easier for me to do this stuff and to get more things out of the door and so work-life balance wise you sound like you're enjoying being freelance but yeah how are you finding that side of it um, it's a lot of juggling, but at least I have the freedom to kind of, I guess, dictate my own diary. So if I do want to go to the school concert or help out at the school fair, I can do that. Mm. Um, so that's good. I have to admit that there are times I do put my son to bed and then I continue working, you know, and things like that to get things done or to get that podcast episode out for the next day. So there are those types of sacrifices, but I'm trying to get out more this year from networking, but also for myself and seeing my friends and things. So Kind of, I want to get a better balance this year. Mm. Now, I hope I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? So, I've met the President of America. Ooh. I've been a soloist at the Royal Albert Hall, and I was rescued from a cable car. <laughs> <laughs> the President of America. Which President of America? Bill. Clinton. How did you get to meet Bill Clinton? He wasn't in a cable car at the time, was he? <laughs> Not that I know of. No, he was walking along the oh, street. Okay. I uh, I worked in a, I did like Bunak, you know, the summer summer camp thing. So I did that, and I was working in uh, one of the states in America, and he was holidaying nearby. And him and Hillary came, flew over, did a walk around. Oh, so it was in one of those summer. You were w- working in a summer camp. Oh, uh, not summer camp, but like, you know, uh, you can do an exchange. So I worked in a hotel. That's so odd that that might be true. Now, you were a soloist at Royal Albert Hall, like the preeminent, respected music venue. What, what's your, is it a musical instrument or you were singing? What was the? Uh, I, I am actually an accomplished uh, recorder player. <laughs> was this while you were still at school? I was still at school. Mm. How old were you? Uh, I reckon around 13, 14. And what did you play? Benjamin Britten. What was the piece? Neuer's Flood. I mean, that was a very quick response. You could have said anything. I don't know any of his tunes. Right. um, (laughs) Three. You're not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. Well, well, with classical music, it tends to be that, oh, it's that one which goes do, 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 do. Like, I don't know the name of them. And then you got rescued from a cable car. Where was the cable car? I've, don't say up in the air. Where was it? It was in uh, the Royal Docks. The what? The one that goes over the Thames? Yeah, that goes from nowhere to nowhere in the, in East London, South East London. You know, like the one from Greenwich. You know, the one by the yes. A2. I've never met anybody who's been on that thing. Well, um, there's a reason why it goes from nowhere to nowhere. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? just... one, of the, one of the most bizarre tourist attractions anywhere. Yeah, it was a folly. Definitely um, a folly. But you needed to be rescued. So what happened? Before you can start a a piece of infrastructure that works for um, like public sector, you have to test it. You have to test it on people who aren't 
the general public. Oh, so you're saying it was a staged rescue? It's a staged rescue. How do they get you out of a cable car? So basically you have a helmet on and all the safety gear and then they come over and they rescue you and they come across on their kind of zip wires and rescue you. But how did you get down out of the cable car? They take you out. They basically abseil you out. Mm. This is quite hard, right? Because whilst I believe that cable cars must get tested, I'm not entirely sure I believe the way you got out of it. And then the soloist at the Royal Albert Hall is funny, especially because, of course, I'm imagining you as you are now playing the recorder on stage at the Royal Albert Hall. But we're talking about child IO playing the recorder. That's possible. But just so... Did the recorders ever do a solo? That's the thing. Did they ever do a solo? And then the president, um, uh, that was felt a bit sketchy, but it seems plausible as well. Oh, I don't know. I really don't. No, I do. Ah, this is so annoying, Io. Do you know what? I've done my job. That is it. That I've done my job. That is what I wanted to do. I was like, I've been, I've been saying to my seven-year-old, I need to practice lying to you. <laughs> so did you run these past him of course he didn't have a clue no i was gonna say i mean the president one seems ah, oh, that felt sketchy so did the cable car one to be honest i feel like there would have been a lot more detail about the way you got out of it if that were true so i'm gonna say the cable car is the lie darn it you're right <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah i you am actually I am actually a really good recorder player. So that's not a lie. So I paid. For, I started playing when I was seven. I think I did uh-huh. my grade eight when I was 12 or 13. Wow, grade eight. Yeah. So yeah, and I was the bird for no- Noyer's Flood. So I had my own um, microphone and I was a soloist in it. It's like an opera. And that like, is yeah, so, so cool. I was a bird. So I had to learn how to roll my throat. So now I can roll my throat, but I had to learn in my throat because I can't <laughs> roll my tongue. So yeah, let's see, that's the bird. <laughs> And uh, you do that down the recorder and it sounds like a bird. It's very cool. By the way, if I sounded dismissive about recorders, I (laughs) apologise. My experience is only of very early primary school beginnings of recorders, trying to play peas pudding hot. That's about... I've never heard the recorder played well. I have think you not? That's where I, oh, no. it's a beautiful instrument. Right, this is it. Now I'm going to have to go on YouTube. Played really well. Yeah. I'll, send, I'll send you some links to some good recording music that's and good nice. recorder playing, as you need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah, it's been, do you know what? But I just wanted, I meant to ask you one thing earlier on, and it was this. Like, what have you found most challenging about being freelance? Because it sounds like it's all gone swimmingly. Um. Do you know what I find most challenging, which I'm just going to say it, is like, if I don't invoice, I don't get paid, right? <laughs> and well, that is that is the thing, isn't it? So you you can do all the marketing, you can do all of that stuff, but you also do need to do the work and it's finding that balance. And that's probably the hardest thing to kind of get your head around and kind of get into that you are a business. And, you know, there's lots of opportunities, but it's actually realising the ones that will help you progress for what you need, but also to make sure that you cover yourself and you are a business and you're in operation. So, yeah, that's probably the most challenging part. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Just give it a try. It's it's hard work, but it is enjoyable. 
Um, Io, it's been so good to talk to you. Get yourself uh, to beingfreelance.com. As ever, there were links through so you can find out all about what our guests are up to. So you can go and find Io and see what she's up to on LinkedIn, see what she's doing with her newsletter and her podcast and her lives and her recorder. <laughs> Do you know, there, is what I, I had, there was a thing where I did put a piece of me playing my recorder on Instagram. I'll share it with you. It's quite funny. <sighs> course there is um sounds like (laughs) content marketing gold um oh and i mentioned doing it for the kids which is of course uh, a community for self-employed parents but there's a podcast as well for i co-host and it's called doing it for the kids so if you are a self-employed parent please do wherever you just found this podcast search for doing it for the kids and hit subscribe or follow there as well Uh, but for now i thanks so much it's been an absolute joy and all the best being freelance thank you bye There goes Io. So much. Oh my gosh. I've just got a big grin on my face listening back to it. You know what I mean? Find what Io's up to at beingfreelance.com. You'll also find her in the community. You come join it too. You promise? Go to beingfreelance.com and click on community. I'll see you in there very soon indeed. In the meantime, have a great week. Being Freelance. Being Freelance.